0: You know, there'd be days I would contemplate suicide in the bathtub, like, Oh, what if I just drown myself here? Or. You know, sometimes just cutting yourself, just to try to let some type of pain out. You know, so I would go through some of those things. I eventually got tattoos and piercings, I think, mainly just because of the pain, you know, where you're trying to find some expression to your pain. I was living that, I was drinking all the time. I would bring alcohol to school. I remember going to high school just with gin in my Sprite bottle, um, you know, sometimes vodka. And it was also just, you know, made you feel like somebody, like, I've already experienced all this other stuff. What am I doing here in school, you know? I managed to pass, I managed to make good grades, but like deep down inside I was dying. You know, I was dead. I didn't really grow up in a religious home. We didn't have much talks about like the Lord or anything like that. I grew up in South Carolina, so it's part of the Bible Belt. There's churches on every corner. If you ask somebody, pretty much everybody's aware of Jesus, even if it's not necessarily a relationship. And so my family was definitely just probably more morals-based where it was like right and wrong, good and bad, but not necessarily because God said so. So I remember like I would go to vacation Bible schools. I love going to vacation Bible schools. I think my mom, one year I asked her to take me to like eight different ones. So I was like at all these different churches, Catholic, Protestant, Baptist, everywhere. but I didn't have a relationship with the Lord and he wasn't present in our home. I had, you know, for the most part, a normal upbringing, but yet something in me was still very empty. So around like 10 or 11, I could definitely remember starting to feel like the emptiness and just kind of like the purposelessness, you know, also bored, my parents were working a lot, and you know, just some relational voids in my life, probably some emotional emptiness for me. Um, so, I had a friend in the neighborhood, and we started getting into drinking. We would sneak the alcohol from our parents' kitchens and get it into cigarettes. We'd be stealing cigarettes and smoking and I know around like 12, I ended up being in my first relationship and he was an older teenager boy. um, And that's why I I lost my virginity to consensually. um, And so I became sexually active at 12. And, uh, from there, I just really like the doors to just partying and promiscuity just opened after that. Uh, you know, you got one little taste and now like, that's where you felt like affirmation and love coming from. Um, you know, attention from boys. I, I used to live for that. That was just you know, the basis of where I felt worthy or where I felt loved and something that really impacted me and really probably pushed me even further into the darkness and and the life of promiscuity and partying was it was my seventh grade. It was getting close to summer because it was a holiday weekend that a lot of people would always visit our city in. I was doing my usual. I was out with one of my friends. We would always just find parties to go to. We'd find clubs to sneak into. We were out what's called the boulevard where i'm from and um it was just known to be a place where people just flaunt their looks flaunt their cars you know hook up if you can and we were out at like two o'clock in the morning one time you know we could have caught a taxi home but we were just hoping to find one more party to get to Um, and some guys approached us invited us back to their hotel room opened up a beer we were just drinking and we already knew the routine you know if hookups were gonna happen you know we were just gonna do it And so my friend and I both, you know, engaged in sexual activity at the time, um, separate rooms. But for me, um, mine ended up turning into a gang rape. So mine started with a consensual person, man. And then all of a sudden, um, guys just started coming through the balcony door. And one by one, they just, you know, started having sex with me. And somebody was recording it on the side. And, you know, all I could remember laying there was just do I scream? If I scream, will they kill me? Do I just lay here and let them finish? And so I just remember putting my head to the side, looking at my friend, utterly confused what's happening. Um, A lot of anger, a lot of fear happening, and, you know, just enduring it till it finished. And, um, you know, I remember they were done. I got dressed. I remember looking at a lamp by their hotel door and i said i just really want to smash it but i don't want to make them get charges on their bill and so i like i held my anger in and i just remember going to the beach just very lost very like shocked and eventually one of the guys from that party drove me and my friend back to her house you know we were snuck out our parents didn't know where we were and um you know that definitely initiated a season that lasted for a lot of years of depression of uh, being lost, I didn't have anybody to tell because we weren't even supposed to be out. They were on vacation, I think from Michigan. So what would it even be worth to tell anybody? Because how could we find them? So it was really just a secret I carried. I told my ex-boyfriend and he was just like, what do you want me to do about it? Obviously, my friend was there, and then I told another friend when I went back to school, because I was still in seventh grade. So I remember being on the recess playground and just telling her, like, hey, this happened last weekend. And she was like, what? But other than that, you know, I lived with it. You know, it was just something I buried. I couldn't talk about it. You know, I realize now, like, that really brought me into this place of just feeling very, like, worthless, I got into being promiscuous, especially after that, as a cop-out from ever feeling like something ever being taken from me again. So I ended up um, engaging in, like, just very casual relationships, hookup culture, meeting guys off the internet. When the summer was happening, you know, it was just about parties. It was about guys. It as It was about the conquest. It was about conquering. And, um, that was from 12 to 18. That was my lifestyle. Like, I would go out on the weekends, sometimes sneak out during the week, and I lived for partying. I lived for being um, sexually attractive. Like, that was my basis of living, of uh, my basis of success, you know. But I just remember, you know, walking through, like, I would go to high school and I'd be so depressed. You know, there'd be days I would contemplate suicide in the bathtub, like, oh, what if I just drown myself here? Or... You know, sometimes just cutting yourself, just to try to let some type of pain out, you know? So I would go through some of those things. I eventually got tattoos and piercings, I think, mainly just because of the pain, you know, where you're trying to find some expression to your pain. I was living that, I was drinking all the time. I would bring alcohol to school. I remember going to high school just with gin in my Sprite bottle, um, you know, sometimes vodka. And it was also just, you know, made you feel like somebody. Like, I've already experienced all this other stuff. What am I doing here in school, you know? I managed to pass, I managed to make good grades, but like deep down inside I was dying, you know? I was dead. And um, I would drink to feel life, I would drink to try to feel something, even though it made you numb. It it numbed your emotions, but it still yet made you feel some type of like alive. Um, You know, there was nights I drove home and I don't know how I got home, like I'd wake up in my bed and not remember the night before. You know, I woke up naked in bathtubs. I woke up with black eyes from falling, um, just having to make excuses for my mom. You know, that's just really how how I lived from 12 to about 17. And so that was the lifestyle I was living. I only had a couple encounters with God. I wasn't really even seeking Him. I didn't feel angry at God. I didn't feel like it was His fault. I think I always knew I had a part in what I was doing. I think I always knew, you know, I was responsible for my actions in some way, but I was owning what I was doing. And so
1: and, and quick question. Yeah. did what did your parents think about this? Did they know that any of this was going on? You mentioned that they didn't know early on as you were sneaking out and doing all these things. But as you grew up, uh, did they have any say in what was happening? Did they know at all?
0: No, I was um, I was very good at lying and making things up. They gave me some freedom. I had a car, but they had no idea. And it was more so because I just crafted stories. And, um, you know, I was able to really hide stuff under details. You know, I would work sometimes, but I just got really good at lying. And they may have had their suspicions. And I got caught doing things here and there and I got grounded. But for the most part, I just was good at lying or just sneaking out. So they really had no idea what I was doing.
1: So talk to us about that, even the, the encounter, right? How how did the Lord begin to essentially draw you back?
0: All this time, I never got mad at God and I didn't blame him. I just carried hurt and I didn't know I could take it to him. And I remember I went to like a youth group one time when I was maybe like 13, And I I think I was looking for Hope, or I was looking for him, but all it was was like a pizza party and games. And I remember leaving really disappointed and kind of angry, where I was like, I thought there'd be more. And so I think that started like a, just an interest, but I still didn't really like pursue him. I didn't know how, there was nothing, there were no avenues or invitations out there for me to find him at the time. I went to a friend's church. We just decided to go one day. And I mean, we partied the night before, went in late, hung over and uh, they sat us at the front, and that was my first time I experienced prophecy because the guy pulled me, he pointed me out and came up and, you know, identified my car at the time. He was like, hey, you drive this white Honda, and I was like, yeah, and then he proceeded to give me a prophecy just about, like, how I would live, that I'd live very blessed, and I just was like, oh, okay, you know, I remember we all like kind of talked about it on the way home like what does that even mean? I had no like I had no context for what blessings meant, for who God really was, what he was about. My mom started going to church when I was like 14 or 15. She gave her life back to the Lord. I went to church with her one time, and the pastor started talking about Revelation, and it really made me uncomfortable, so I left, and I went to go sleep in the car because I think the fear of the Lord was coming, and I didn't like it, the conviction, and I didn't like it, so I left. Um, and that. So those were like the three instances I ever went to church in that time, but then I ended up Getting with, I had a boyfriend. I didn't really have boyfriends up until that whole time, from twelve to seventeen. Nobody was ever serious, um, but I ended up finding, getting a boyfriend at like seventeen, and um, he eventually, after a few months of dating, he went to jail for some drug charges and uh, found the Lord in jail. And he would send me tracks and uh, minister to me through his letters. And um, honestly, I just kind of listened and followed along just because I didn't want to lose him because he was my security. And I was like, oh, okay, you're talking about Jesus and God. Like, sure, I can find a Bible and like talk about him back to you. So I'd be like going in finding scriptures to write him back, but it really didn't mean anything to me. But I could tell there was like a curiosity starting to like happen inside of me. I was becoming more open to him. I think hope was starting to like come alive in me that like, oh, maybe there is meaning to life because I think that was the biggest part for me was purposelessness. Like nothing ever felt like it had purpose and I hated that. So he would send letters and talk about the Lord and what the Lord was doing in his life. And I remember one night um, he had sent me a track with a little green frog on it. And I just remember sitting in my room and just praying the prayer, like, God, if you're real, like, I want to follow you. I always struggled, like, God, when did I actually, like, believe in you? And he eventually showed me, like, it was that night with that track that, that this relationship with him started. You know, like, I can't say anything changed in that instant, but I can tell, like, my senior year of high school just started really changing. And it's just good. You know, it's good tears. Um. But I started to, like, come alive again. I started to find purpose. I started to see life through love, and and the days looked brighter, you know, like it was just the depression was starting to fade because I found purpose, because God brought meaning to my life, um, you know, where you're not just existing, but, like, there's a creator, there's truth, there's, there's a good way, there's a bad way. And so I didn't realize that at the time, but, you know, I started getting convicted about things, so... The drinking, um, I started to get uncomfortable with it. I started to get uncomfortable with certain situations and certain attitudes. Like I was very cynical and sarcastic. And and God just started like breathing love into me where I would used to like hide in jokes. And he brought just sincerity out of me where I really wanted to like live right and love people well instead of always be cynical towards stuff and sarcastic. You know, my boyfriend was in jail for the majority of my senior year. Uh, I remember he got out towards the end and um, that's where I finally was like, hey, mom, I have a boyfriend. Um, She was recently going back to church. So that was like my common ground to kind of ease the fact that he just got out of jail. And I was like, but hey, mom, like, you know, he's, I wanted to tell the truth. That was another part. Like I all of a sudden just desired to live honestly. Like I didn't want to lie anymore. I didn't want to hide stuff. I just didn't, I didn't want to do wrong. I wanted to do right. So my senior high school was totally different than any other year. I just, I out on so many more things and my I so I told my mom that I had a boyfriend and I said hey he's a Christian and she's like okay if he's a Christian he also had kids so that was the other thing he's he has kids he just got out of jail but he's a Christian so my mom was like okay well if he's a Christian he won't have a trouble problem coming to church I'll wait I'll meet him when y'all come to church and so it was still like a couple weeks afterwards and you know Finally, we decided to finally go to church one day with her. And from there, just God just really started to change my life because I felt the presence of God um, at that church. And they would be singing songs and it wasn't even anybody leading. It was literally tracks and they had like slide sheets to put lyrics up on, a, power, on a, um, a projector. And, you know, so it wasn't like there wasn't anything attractive about the church necessarily. It wasn't because they had the best worship team. It wasn't because of this or that. But like the presence of God was there. The songs would be playing and I would just be wanting to cry. And I didn't know why, but it was also cleansing and it was healing. Like he was like dealing with stuff that I didn't even know he was dealing with. Um, So, you know, with every worship service, I'd just be crying, and it would be really just washing away the old life. You know, I remember even the first day I raised my hands in church, where it was just like I could feel like I wanted to, but I also didn't want to. But it was like even just raising my hands for the first time in church and praise really like broke something. It, It broke me open to him even more. My official, like I said yes to Jesus, happened in a bedroom, and nothing changed really. But everything started to change from there. Um, And going to that church really helped me in my walk. Um, The pastors would prophesy over me, would speak to my destiny, would speak to who I am. And God would just be doing things on the inside. And in my bedroom, you know, I'd go and pray. And from there, it was really his presence that started to change a lot of things for me. And that led me to hunger for his word and for his ways. Like, I just really craved to know him and to walk in his way, the way he wanted me to walk, I know that now is conviction. But I didn't realize that it was just pure desire, and just you know, I found love after all these years of looking for love and thinking I I had attention, I had attention, but I never had love. I engaged in sex, but I never had intimacy, and so like God was just bringing all these things to me. I just fell in love with him, like he's the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen, you know, the most beautiful person I've ever experienced, you know, and so I just really fell in love pursuing him. And not everything changed in an instance, which is so good because, I just see how he was just willing to walk with me and progress. And he would really convict me and get me on certain things at times. But for the most part, he just was willing to walk with me. And I walked with him and I really, I sincerely pursued him. And in time, you know, you get through some of those humps and those old habits. It wasn't like until I was 19 that he really convicted me about having sex outside of marriage. And, you know, it just, it was just this growing uncomfortableness and I eventually had to talk with my boyfriend and we decided we wouldn't because you know that's what the Lord wanted of us you know that was just another step in following and pursuing him but it's like every time I obeyed him in that way um it just opened me up to more of him that was really like my journey my process of, of getting to know him and then it just created a life it's just created this life of knowing him
1: um you know <laughs> Did you continue that relationship with that with that boyfriend that had just gotten out of jail?
0: So we stayed together from senior year until I was about 19 or 20. So sometime, like maybe six months after that conversation, some things just started falling apart. And God was just really, it was good. Like my life fell apart in one way, but it came together in another way. I was just really hungry for the things of God. And I knew I had to call a ministry on my life. And I was just really pursuing that. I was just I was really laser focused on pleasing him and obeying him, whatever he wanted. So no, we, we're we not together, um, it's not my husband now. That relationship fell apart, well, let me back up. So I was, um, I had started seeing this advertisement for a Bible college and I just really felt a draw to go. And so I had asked the Lord about it for like a year. So I started praying about it like 20, 2009. And in 2010, I got confirmation to go. But around the same time I got confirmation to go, that relationship fell apart. The youth group I was leading fell apart. And God had been telling me to quit my job for a couple months. And so it was like all at once, everything that I had known was like gone. But it opened up a door to go to this Bible college. And so that relationship ended in the same season that God was beginning a lot of new things for
1: me. Janelle, talk to us about that walk, right, with Jesus after obviously um, you mentioned you had you were dealing with emptiness from a little from little age which led you to having sexual brokenness uh indulging in alcohol and all these things and he began to break these things off of you slowly but talk to us a little bit more about how your walk with jesus developed um even going to bible college and just even getting married and all of these things how did jesus uh transform your life
0: The way that I experience transformation has always been just in his word. Um, And it's so good because I didn't mean to cry, but I just, I've noticed in my life, transformation has come through when I get into his word and then he reveals things to me. And he's, you know, it's really just been a life of obeying his voice that if he says, go this way or do something this way, that I try my hardest to do it the way he is said to do it and when he is said to do it. That's probably been the best way I can explain how transformation happened is just to like really listen to him. I really took to heart the words in the Bible where it says that you'll hear a voice behind you saying this is the way to go, walk in it. And so I've just always looked for his voice saying this is the way to go, no matter how much it hurts because I've always taken the cross as my example of like, Jesus took all that on him. So who am I not to give this up, even if it hurts? And so that's, that's been my, I know that's been how I've experienced this transformation.
1: What was the process like with God healing uh, the sexual brokenness? Uh, you mentioned you were sexually abused at 12 years old, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um mean, you began to have conceptual sex, even at that age. so with all that brokenness within you, how did he bring you to forgiveness and and to just restoration in that area?
0: The Lord knows when to deal with what in our lives. Um, And so I can look back and see where he dealt with a layer at a time. Obviously, I do believe it began with forgiveness, although I never had like a vengeance towards them. Because like I said, I've just always had an understanding, though what they did wasn't right, I shouldn't have been out either. I was out at two o'clock in the morning as a 12-year-old. Again, I don't excuse what they did. But I also had a part in it. But um, I do remember there was a day where I specifically asked God to forgive them. And I said, Lord, I look forward to seeing them in heaven. You know, where God, I want to see them in heaven. Like I, you know, when you realize you've been forgiven of so much, I just sincerely found that place where I forgave them. And though our sins may look different at times, you know, we all need forgiveness. And so I do remember there was a specific day I forgave the people who, who did it to me. After that, um... I didn't even really realize how broken I really was until years later, actually probably when I got married, but I can look back and see where God strategically placed people in my life to help heal the wounds that came from men, that God gave me safe men To look at that, he you know restored that image in my life that I didn't look at men as predators. Because even though even if I was still having consensual sex, there was still a level of fear involved. That hey, you're never gonna take this from me. I'm just gonna give it up. That's where I like became more promiscuous is because. It was really fear-based that I didn't ever want to experience having that power taken away from me again. So I just chose to be in control and say, hey, you can have it versus ever take it away. And so um God really placed safe men to heal my heart when it came to men. My first pastor became a father figure to me and, you know, just showed me the gentleness and that men aren't all men aren't evil and all men aren't sexual and all or, you know, like predatorily sexual. My first pastor just showed me the nature of a father in Bible college. He sent me just a a lay pastor at the school we were at. Like we had no heavy relationship like as far as like talking like we didn't have the friendship at all but at times god would use him to just cover me be like hey janelle why don't you look at the lord this way i feel like you're really trying to be performance based right now you know like he would just come and and just watch over me at times but then he'd leave he'd just be on assignments i could tell from the lord um just to share words my i had some good friends at one point and um you know i can see where her husband really became a brother to me and started healing just how I viewed men at the time. So I can look back and see like the Lord strategically sent men to my life to help heal me. From being broken and used by men, and then on my side, I had to let him in in those areas. Um, I had to do away with with certain habits. There was one point he had me go through my closet when I lived by like wanting to be very attractive, and you know all these things. Like I had to throw out wigs, I had to throw out certain clothes. Um, I got rid of things from my old life. There was a, a season where God really cleaned my closet out. And then I just learned even just how to carry myself. You know, like he showed me there's more to life than sex because for... Eight years of my life, I lived by that being a very big motivator in my life, and that was like how I viewed life. It was through that lens. Um, am I sexually attractive? Is that person sexually attractive? Am I putting off this vibe? Am I, you know, this and that? So it really was just walking with him, and every now and then God would really intensely highlight when to let go of certain things, or when I was still dealing with like a mindset or an attitude from that old season, or a pain or a fear. You You know, it's just through moments of worship and prayer that we would just talk through things, journal through things, write through things, um, worship through things. I will say one instance that was really cool on God's behalf. I was talking, I had finally opened up to my mom when I was, um, I don't know, 20 or 21. I can't really remember the age, but years later, I was already an adult before I told my mom about what happened. You know, we were processing, and one day in the car, I was just telling her, I was just like, you know, I wish I could just get an I'm sorry. Like, I don't need much, but like, hey, just tell me you're sorry that it happened. And I knew I wasn't ever going to get it, but I still felt like that at the time. And then later on that night, we had a guest speaker at our church. She was speaking, and she had come out of a similar life Um, Style, and while she was speaking, she said, "I really feel like the Lord wants me to bring my husband up here and stand in the gap and offer apologies on behalf of any men who's ever wronged you." And I was like, "Oh my God, you're answering my prayer, God!" You know, and so it wasn't the guys that that hurt me, but I understood it was it was the Lord. You know, so I I took that as my answer to my prayer. You know, sometimes like. Anyway, I'm not going to preach. You know, sometimes we we don't get the answer in the way we thought we would. But if we can recognize that was the Lord listening and responding, you know, I take that as good enough. And so I went up to that altar that night and I got that man's hug and I got his apology. He said, I'm sorry. And I took that as what I needed to continue to heal and to continue to move forward. Um, but... You know, it's just been moments like that where I just see like the Lord wants to deal with something. And sometimes it comes up and I I can and I'll stop cuz that's probably more just talking. But
1: you mentioned you were married. So how did the Lord use marriage, your husband to lead you closer to him, to continue to lead you in that in that healing process? How did how did he use that?
0: My husband was definitely another one that the Lord has used. I thought I was nice and healed and put together until I got married. God had worked through my heart up until being married. I had found this freedom in life and, you know, looking looking at life correctly and engaging with relationships the right way, the right perspective and I felt like I was really good going into marriage. And then I got on the other side of marriage, and all of a sudden insecurities and intimacy issues started coming up because I was reminded of how I used to live. Because I had been celibate except for one instance. From 20 to 25, I was celibate except for like maybe one month. I thought I was good, but all of a sudden, all these intimacy issues started flashing back because I started remembering how I used to be used, and I didn't want to be used anymore. And I had associated sex with being used at the time, and so I had to really go through that process with him, with my husband, and with the Lord to renew my mind according to like God's purpose of sex um, because it had been so abused in my life. And my my perspective on it had been abused, but I didn't know what I needed until I got to the other side. So honestly, the Lord used my husband to just help me heal even further. You know, it looks on the outside like, oh, all these issues and insecurities came up when you got married. But it was actually like the Lord's way of saying, hey, it's a safe place that you can heal from this but it was never exposed because I wasn't in like a relationship for it to be exposed in. My husband has definitely been used just to show the Lord's patience and gentleness with me again. I've just seen the example of Christ in my husband to be patient with me and to walk with me through things, even when it hurts him. Even when the attack's not necessarily against him, like if I was going through like an emotional um, low, it wasn't necessarily against him, but it affected him, and so I just—he's really took his position of of loving me like Christ loves the church very seriously, um, and that love creates a space of like security and a place to heal without expectations of performance or anything. Like he's just allowed me to walk with him, and he's been there through a lot of lows, but he's also been there for a lot of highs, and he just made it safe. Um, he made it easy to open up. Um, my husband just was who the Lord knew I needed to continue this emotional journey because even before we got married, we opened. I opened up and told him, like, hey, this is what happened to me in life. And, um, you know, so he already knew going in the life I came out of. He was just able to meet me emotionally. So it's just, it's been a walk again. It's been, it hasn't been hard moments. It's been conversations on the couch, in the car. They just happened as, as they need to. And and even just recently, like I have went through another level of healing and it surprised me cause I'm like, I'm about 20 years past this incident. And like, I didn't realize I still had stuff. And, you know, just recently, the why started popping up. Well, why me? Why did it have to happen to me? You know, and it affects my relationship with God even sometimes. And so, you know, but having a partner to be able to talk about that stuff without being judged or accused, condemned in any way, he's just always been there. It's like, I'll open a conversation and then he'll open it more. Like he wants wants to spread it out that we can talk about it and get through it just for the whole of the family.
1: Janelle, who is Jesus to you?
0: Um I mean he's he's Lord, but Lord isn't a scary term. It's a good term. You know, he's the good shepherd. He's our creator, he's our maker. He is the one who knows us, knows me so intimately, uh yet still loves me. He is holy, but he's so good. Like that's that's the ultimate word I can use to describe him because even in his chastisement you know his love through it, you know, you know his goodness through it. He's safe. He's our counselor. He leads us and he guides us. And he's, he's our reward. You know, ultimately he's the one to, to be with him is to be with love and to be with life and meaning and purpose. So, yeah.
1: Janelle, for anybody who's watching your testimony right now, who has gone through some of the brokenness, sexual brokenness that you have gone through in your personal life. And maybe they are watching and they haven't told anybody and, and they have not walked in that freedom. Maybe they were gang raped. Maybe they did have uh, sexual uh, relationships at 12 years old and they haven't processed and they're watching you right now and they're seeing what what Jesus has done in your life. What What is an advice... Or a word of encouragement that you can give to that person, whether it's a woman or even a man, um, watching right now. What can you tell them?
0: Um, I would say identify safe safe places to begin to talk about it. Um, shame hides in the darkness, and uh, when we put things in the light, shame can't rule over us anymore. So if we if we can confess it to our circle, to again safe people. Not everybody's a safe person. Not everybody can hold that pain, can hold that trauma. But if you can identify one or two people to share your story with and put it on the light so you're not carrying it in darkness, also a level of putting it in the light and putting it before the Lord so it's in his hands. So whenever you're attacked with accusing thoughts or shame, you know, if you've given it to the Lord, then he's your defense. He's the one you hide under and hide beneath and hide, you know, with that, you can't be accused and you can't be judged by something that he already knows about and you've confessed and put before him so i just i advocate i'm an advocate for living in the light putting things in the light wherever you can whenever you can bring things out of the darkness because that's where shame and fear and regret and all that can hide but when you put in the light you and the lord can begin to process it you can worship through it and it doesn't have to be your mark and your definition it can just be something that happened to you but not who you are
1: Janelle, any last words for people watching your testimony right now?
0: If today has struck something in you, you can take it to the Lord and don't be afraid of him. Some people might see him as harsh, but he's actually very loving and kind and patient. And he knows a word before it even comes on your mouth. He knows what you need to say. And sometimes you don't have the words. Sometimes it's just tears. And you can go before him and cry, but call on him. Call on his name and let him come and lead you. It may not come in an instant. It may be a a process. Some things in my life have happened instant, and some things have definitely been a process. But if you call on his name and trust that he leads you, you'll begin to see him direct your steps and bring you to people, bring you to other stories, bring you to books. He will lead you and bring you to himself. Uh, But it just starts with calling on him, and it doesn't have to be anything to hide from. Um, He knows it all anyway. And so just just bring it before him and uh, you'll find his goodness and his beauty and gentleness and love in it.